Grazie. Yeah. 
Something glow. 
everyone we've come to the time in our service for communion that last song we just sang the lines say I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned and unclean we think that a lot of times too right how in the world could Jesus love me after what I've done we think that now the writer of the song Charles Gabriel thought that in 1905 and back in Jesus time I'm sure they thought the same thing I've been watching this series called the chosen and it focuses on the people in Jesus life who he interacted with and you can tell on their faces that they know they're so undeserving for example in Luke 5 Simon had been out fishing all night with nothing to show for it. And he finally comes up to the shore meeting Jesus. And Jesus says, Simon, catch your net one more time. Just one more time. Reluctantly, he casts his net again and he catches more fish than he could have ever imagined. Simon runs up to the shore and he says, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. He's saying, I don't deserve what you've given me especially after what I've done. And that is not the end of our story. That's not the end of God's story. Our inadequacy is not the end. Later in the song, Charles writes, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me in awe of God's love. And in Simon's story, Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're fishing people. Meaning, don't be afraid of my love for you. You can come with me. God did not create us to dwell on our sinful nature. He created us to love and be loved. And we are here to accept his love for us. This love for us that got him nailed to a cross. His love endures and exceeds all things. Here at Real Life, we practice open communion. So that means in this time, wherever you're at and whatever you have, feel free to take communion with us during this next song. Let's pray. God, thank you for accepting us after everything we've done and no matter how small and insignificant we think we are you give us life you saved us and we are so grateful god thank you for your unfailing and incredibly unconditional love
Well, good morning, and thanks again for joining us at uh, Church Online. We're so thankful to have you, and we're going to take a moment out now to give back to God a portion of what He's given to us. Now, maybe you're wondering why we would be asking you to give during a time when the church can't even meet together. Well, we are meeting. We're meeting in living rooms and at dining room tables, and um, some even stream the service from their bed. In fact, we have the potential to meet with many more people through our online campus than when we meet here in person, because we don't have to worry about space issues, right? So the potential is even greater for us to meet together. Now, I love seeing all of you, and I can't wait until we're able to be together again and all come and fill this room and, and, and worship Jesus together, to sing songs to King Jesus, to take communion together. It's going to be a beautiful moment and a beautiful day. But the church is not a building. It's a people with a purpose. And our purpose at real life hasn't changed. See, it doesn't require a building to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. In fact, this pandemic has really helped us improve on our mission. We're putting more content out and, and better quality out than we ever have before. And that just continues to improve. And so I'm asking you to give so that the church can continue to fulfill its mission until Jesus returns, whether that's near or far from now, so that every person possible, in their cars, on their couches, laying in their beds or at the breakfast table, in the U.S. or even around the world, that every person God calls through us can find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. If you would like to help us in that mission, there's a couple ways that you can give. If you're uh, watching on Facebook, you can jump over to our webpage, reallifecc.us, and you can uh, click on any page on the orange icon. It looks like that. It'd be right down the bottom right-hand corner. And when that opens up, the whole screen is going to be orange, and there's going to be a flow for you to go through. Just plug in, fill in the blanks there. And don't forget, if you are a returning giver, make sure that you're signed in. That's a little icon up in the top right-hand corner of the screen after you press on that funny-looking little guy. If you're joining us at our online campus at live.reallifecc.us, that I think is the best way uh, to watch and view the service. Uh, there's going to be a little uh, image that comes up in the um, chat window, and it'll say give. And if you just click that little blue button, it will open up an opportunity for you to give, and it'll be uh, virtually the same as it is on our website because it's all connected together. However you give today, we want to thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping us fulfill the mission that God has called us to, to help every person possible find real life in Him and look more like Jesus every day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you give to us. And even in this uh, difficult time, this new normal for us, we thank you for being with us, for being present with us, for helping us with our families and uh, our income and, and just all of those things that we're struggling with, God. We know that you are present with us all the time. And you are a good God. You want to bless us and you want to give your best to us. And so we thank you for being with us. Thank you, God, for allowing this message to continue to get out, allowing our mission to continue even in the midst of this pandemic. And we pray that that would even increase and more and more people, every person possible, would find real life in Jesus through you, through us, through the work of your church around the world. Thank you, God for loving and leading us even through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Virtually every person alive at this moment deals with doubt. Maybe you're streaming the service on your TV while sitting in your easy chair. Maybe you're on the couch with your family around you watching on your laptop. Or maybe you are laying in bed watching this on your phone. You deal with doubt. In fact, I'm going to say this, that doubt is your default. We're going to see that 
in just a second. Boom. Doubt is your default. Now, do you doubt that statement? Maybe you're like, doubt's not my default. Well, you just proved that doubt is your default. But if you need more proof, let me give you a few more examples. Have you ever doubted that your spouse or significant other loved you? Have you ever doubted the sincerity of your boss when you got passed over for that promotion? Have you ever doubted that the government knew what they were doing? Or did you ever doubt that car dealership's special? <laughs> doubt is our default. And probably, if you're saying no to all the rest of those things, there's probably been times in your life where you have doubted yourself. Doubt keeps you from living the real life that God has prepared for you in Christ Jesus. But walking in faith frees you to experience more of the life that God created you for. Now, look, while Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And part of his work was finished. His redemptive work that happened through the shedding of his blood on the cross, that part was finished, but there was more that Jesus had to do. And probably right now, if you've been laid off or whatever, you've been binging shows on Netflix or Prime or Hulu or whatever. So uh, let me use this metaphor to help you understand. Let's say that the Old Testament is season one. It was a really long season. And then Jesus comes on the scene and his life and ministry, about three and a half years from, from that time until his death, that was season two. And it was exciting and there was lots of things happening and every episode like had you involved. But all of a sudden he dies at the end of season two. And you're wondering like, what's going on? Like the hero dies. I don't know what to happen. But at the end of that episode, of the last episode of season two, that little uh, thing comes on the screen and it says two be continued. And then episode three starts, and it starts with the empty tomb. And it's a short season. It's, it's only about 30 days as, as Jesus is showing himself to his disciples and talking with them and teaching them. And he reveals himself to about 500 people at, at one time. And, and again, it's exciting, and there's all this kind of stuff happening. But, but that ends with Jesus ascending to go back to the Father. And so season three ends with a to be continued at the end. And then season four opens up, and, and each episode seems to be more exciting than the other. We have the coming of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of the church, and we have the, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, and we have the, the church spreading out under the persecution that was happening under Saul. So all of these things are, are, are happening, and, and season four has continued over the last 2,000 years to include you and I and, and the church age and, and what's going on in the kingdom. You and I are a part of the story of Jesus. And that's what this series is all about. It's the story of Jesus' work in the world continued through you and I. See, there is still much that the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in and through us as we look more like Jesus every day. And, and it's not just us that, that God wants to work through. It's us as believers, but also those who don't yet believe. And for believers and non-believers, doubt keeps you from living into or leaning into the story that God has written for you. Now, there's a really simple reason for this. Doubt leads to fear. Doubt leads to fear. Now, it starts small, little doubts, but then it gets bigger. See, doubt begins a process in our minds where all we can see is the worst option in every situation. Doubt trains our minds to miss the opportunities and only see objections. This process of doubt leads to fear, and, and it's the fear that the worst options are the only options. Every person that has ever accomplished something that you wish you could accomplish, maybe that's a YouTube sensation or, or a, a, somebody who's a great in sports. We just had the NFL draft this weekend, and so maybe you watched that and, and you saw people, you're like, man, I wish I could be like that. It's exciting to see those people who are at the top of their game, but I guarantee you that every one of those people who has reached a point of success in their life did so through doubt. 
They doubted their abilities. They doubted the system. They maybe doubted their coaches, their, their trainers. They, they doubted themselves. And so every success story is intermingled with doubt. Now on the other side of this doubt leads to fear coin is this reality. Faith leads to freedom. And, and that's our bottom line actually today. And so what that means is this. If you get nothing else out of uh, the message this morning, if nothing else sticks with you, I hope you get this, that faith leads to freedom. Because this bit of information alone is going to change your life. It's going to change how you follow God and how you look more like Jesus every day. If you just understand that having faith is going to lead to freedom. Look, if doubt trains your minds to focus only on the objections, faith frees your mind to see the opportunities that exist, opportunities that you probably wouldn't see without faith at all. See, because we serve a big God who's control, in control of everything. And so when we have faith, he can open doors that appear to be closed, even when doubt is present. Faith gives us the push we need to risk failure in order to experience life on an entirely new level. See, here's what happens. Doubt holds you back, but faith holds you up. Doubt holds you back from the life that God has prepared for you. But when you walk in faith, God, through his spirit, is holding you up so that you can experience life as he intended you to. We call it here, we call that real life. When God is supporting you, when God is holding you up to experience all of the things that he's prepared in advance for you to experience. Now, the disciple Thomas, here's a guy that we're going to be talking about today, and he almost missed this real life, this freedom that comes from faith. He was being held back because of his doubt. So let me give you a bit of his story. After the death of Jesus, the disciples, they go into hiding, right? Like they're scared. They think life is over. Their master and leader, the Messiah, is dead. Uh, they think nothing is ever going to be the same again. And they are hiding because they think the Romans are going to be after them and the Jewish religious leaders are going to be after them, just like they were with Jesus. So the disciples all get together. And they get inside a room, the Bible just calls it an upper room, a room up on top of a house, but they have locked the door and they're hiding in this room. They've like closed the shutters. They don't want anybody to see. And all of them are there except for Thomas. Now, while the 10 disciples are there, remember Judas is gone already. Thomas is in hiding himself. So there's uh, uh, 10 disciples there in this upper room. It's Sunday evening. Jesus rose from the grave. The empty grave was discovered, discovered Sunday morning. And Sunday evening, the disciples there in the upper room, the door is locked, and Jesus appears inside that locked room. Now, the disciples are like ecstatic. They, they can't believe what's going on. They, they, they're like pinching each other. They don't, they're like, what's happening? They had no idea that this was going to happen, even though Jesus had told them a whole bunch of times. And so Jesus talks with them, and they, and they see him. They can tell that he's, he's real, and he, and he eats with them, and he shares with them. And then he disappears again. Well, you can imagine, it's the first time the disciples see Thomas. They're telling him what's going on. Like, dude, you missed it. It, it was incredible. Like, we were there. The door was locked. Jesus showed up. And, 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 and like, man, we saw him. We touched him. We talked to him. We ate with him. And, and, and Thomas then says something that, that, man, you just have to be there to understand. See, Thomas saw Jesus die on the cross. He watched him as he was beaten. He experienced that with him. He watched the sword being thrust up into Jesus' side and the blood and water come out. He knew that Jesus was dead. And so the disciples are saying this thing that he thinks just is crazy, like this can't be. And so he makes this statement, unless I see it for myself, I will not believe. Let me share with you the story in John 20, 25 to 28. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nail was, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas this time was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hand, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And to that Thomas replied, My Lord and my God. Now when Jesus appears to the disciples a week later and Thomas is there, he seems to appear for one specific purpose, to deal with Thomas doubt. And Jesus doesn't waste any time. Like, right, he shows up in the middle of the room. The doors are locked. He just appears among the disciples there, and he says, peace be with you. By the way, every time, pretty much every time, that Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection, he starts out the same way, peace be with you. That's an interesting story. Maybe we'll look at that some other time. But once he says that, he like looks straight at Thomas and he's like not wasting any time. Peace be with you. Thomas, come here. Look at the holes in my hand. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. It's really me. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can relate to Thomas. Because doubts are real, right? And, and we face those doubts all the time. There are doubts that we have that are just legitimate in our lives. But let me give you a few examples. God, I need $100 to make it until payday. And I've only got 90. And you want me to give some to, to somebody, to some ministry. I, I don't even have enough to make it through with what I've got and you want me to give some away. And, and doubt begins to crop up. Like, how am I gonna make it? How am I gonna pay the bills? How am I gonna put gas in my, in my car? You see how doubt begins to work its way into all of our situations. Or, or maybe this one. Um, God, if I don't make fun of her like all of my friends are doing, I'm gonna be the next one they're gonna make fun of. Doubt begins to creep in. What if they don't like me? What if they make fun of me? God, if I do what you're asking me to do, I could lose my job. I could lose my family. I could lose my friends. Doubt begins to creep in. See, at every step of our lives, doubt never goes away as we're following Jesus. It's present with us all the time, and it's there whispering in our ears, they're not going to like you. You're not going to survive. You're not going to make it. You're not going to have enough. Thomas had allowed his doubt to control him. And that doubt led to fear. And I think it's fear that is the reason that Thomas wasn't with the disciples that Sunday night in the upper room when Jesus first appeared to him. See, I think Thomas watched Jesus die. He figured like the rest of the disciples that the Romans and the Jewish religious elite were going to be after them and they were going to want to kill them just like they killed Jesus. And so Thomas is like, look, uh, I don't want to go down with all of you and so I'm going off on my own. Like I think Thomas was so afraid he didn't want to be with anybody. Can you imagine the doubt that was present not just with Thomas but with all the disciples? They had just watched Jesus. They're mad. The guy that they thought was God died. And now they're like, what do we do? How do we live? How do we continue? How do we move on? But, but get this. Thomas was so full of doubt and, and fear that that's the only thing he's remembered for. We call him Doubting Thomas. How would you like that to be um, your nickname for the rest of your life? Doubting Thomas. You'd go down in, in history like that. But is that really accurate? Is Thomas only known for his doubt? Look, look if you uh, look at extra biblical things and, and, and just historical record, many people believe that, that Thomas, uh, after this moment with Jesus, he comes back into the midst of the disciples. He preaches and teaches and, and, and heals and casts out demons just like the others did. And eventually he makes his way to India, while he's there, he shares faith in Jesus with the Jewish people, and many of them believe. And then he is responsible for converting many of the Indian people to faith in Jesus. Thomas does incredible things through the Holy Spirit working through him after this moment of doubt, and you don't know about it because all he's remembered for is his doubt. But once Thomas sees Jesus, 
Once he sees him standing there, the nail holes in his hands, the, the, the hole in his side, maybe the, the, the points on his head from where the crown of thorns was beaten down on his, on his head. Once he sees Jesus, everything in his life changes. He goes from fear to freedom. No longer after this moment is Thomas afraid. No longer is he doubting. He goes out and in fact is martyred and killed because of his faith, not his doubt. Thomas says when he sees Jesus, you are my master and Messiah, Lord and God. You know, followers of Jesus aren't the only ones who deal with doubt. Everybody deals with doubt. Doubt is our default. We all face it. And in Mark 9 is another story of somebody who is not a disciple. Uh, At this point, not even a follower of Jesus. We know really almost nothing about this guy's faith. The only thing we know is that he's a regular guy who has a son who happens to be possessed by a demon. And he risks religious persecution and ridicule to find some help for his child. Now, if you had a child with a disability in in those days, in the first century, it was believed that the child was born with a challenge because of some sin of the parents or maybe even some sin in utero of the child itself, um, however that might happen. But the father risks all of this to take his son to Jesus and to his disciples. The problem is in Mark 9, when the father arrives there with his boy, Jesus is gone. Jesus has taken Peter, James, and John, and he's gone up to a hill, and they're doing their own thing up there. The other nine disciples are down at the foothills. They're waiting for Jesus and the others to come back. There's also a group, Mark tells us, of religious leaders who are there. They're always looking for a way to, like, stump Jesus, like, criticize the religious leaders, whatever. Uh, And there's also a large group of people who have come out of the city to listen to Jesus. And that's where this man finds all of these people, this crowd of people waiting for Jesus, this bunch of religious leaders, and he walks in to the middle of it. He takes his son to the disciples. He tells them this story about what's going on. My my son is possessed by a demon, and, and he goes through this story. And he's waiting for the disciples to heal his son. The only problem is they can't. Now, the disciples had already been sent out by Jesus, right? These nine disciples, they'd been sent out with the other, uh, the other three. They are accomplishing incredible things. They're healing people. They're casting out demons. They're preaching and, and teaching. Uh, they're, they're speaking about repentance like John the Baptist did. Repentance in God for the forgiveness of your sin. The Messiah has come. And they're doing all of these incredible things. But that day, for whatever reason, as the boy, as a man brings his son to them, they are unable to free him from this demon possession. Now imagine being the disciples in that moment. <laughs> Here this dad comes with his son. He gives this sob story about uh, what the demon is doing to his son, and it's terrible, and it's like wrecking the family, and our reputation has been destroyed. Now everybody knows it. He's out in public, right? He's out in the open. And the disciples are there, and they attempt to cast the demon out from the boy, only it doesn't work. They can't do it. Now, the religious leaders, like they've done this before too, right? They're supposed to be the the people who speak for God and who handle this kind of stuff, but they're not interested in freeing this boy uh, from his demon possession. They're really interested in using this as an opportunity to say, Jesus isn't the Messiah. Look, if your master and teacher really was the Messiah, you'd be able to cast out this demon. And so they're using it as a, a point to argue with the disciples about instead of helping this man and his son. Now, about this time, Jesus shows up, and there's a commotion. The people are gathered around. The disciples are arguing with the religious leaders. The religious leaders are arguing with the disciples. The the people aren't sure sure who to believe. They're not sure which side they're going to take. And so Jesus shows up, and he says, what's going on? And the father, once again, has to tell his story in front of all of these people. Embarrassed and frustrated, He risks further ridicule to tell his story to Jesus. Only this time he says, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do it. And here's Jesus' response in Mark chapter 9. 
Jesus says to um, not really the Father, I think, but to the rest of the people who were there, his disciples, religious leaders, the crowd, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy to him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now here's Jesus' response. If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, if you have a child that's ever had a meltdown in public, you know how the father is feeling in this moment. When our son Trent was um, much younger, he has severe autism, and, and we've been in this time. We've been in uh, the grocery store when he's had a meltdown and tried to kick, pinch, hit, bite, um, basically kill whoever was closest to him. We've had to restrain him in the cart while he's sitting there or in the basket part of the cart or on the floor in the grocery store. Um, we've even had to stop the car and get him out in the ditch on the side of the road and try to restrain him because he was just like trying to hurt you really bad. Now, this happened for a while, took a while, but he eventually calmed down. We were able to get him back in the car and finished what we were doing. But in that moment, if you passed the aisle, if you saw us on the side of the road, we'd get that look. We've been pretty familiar with that look over the course of our lives. And I'm sure the father knew that look that day. Maybe you do too. So his desperate words don't go unnoticed. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, this is a completely natural response to what the father had been through. He had heard the stories of Jesus and his disciples healing people and casting out demons and preaching and teaching and all of these wonderful things. And he had gone out of the city. He'd risk being out in public with his son that he might have this convulsion or whatever and, and, and go to the disciples to try and find some healing for his son. Only he got there and found no help at all. Jesus' response, I think, is not as harsh as some might lead you to believe. He says, if you can, it's this, it's this question. It's response to the man's response. If you can, the father's desperate. And since the disciples couldn't heal his boy, his doubt is even more prevalent in his life. I think that's why he says what he says. I've tried and it didn't work. And so if you can, please help us. Jesus has certainly proved what he said next. Everything is possible for one who believes. Jesus had accomplished incredible, miraculous, wonderful things because of his belief. And I don't think honestly in this moment that Jesus is talking about the faith of the man, though he certainly had some. I think Jesus is saying everything is possible for one who believes, and I believe I can do anything. Now look, Jesus often said when he healed people and he came to people who were demon-possessed or had problems or couldn't see or whatever, he often said, do you have faith? Do you believe that I can do this? He was asking, do you believe in me that I'm able to accomplish this? And he took little bits of faith and did incredible things with it. But it wasn't the faith of the person. It was the faith of Jesus. It was his faith that healed people. He's the one that had the power. He's the one that created the universe. He's the one that, that made us and sustains us and keeps us going. And so he has the power to do anything, but he wants to draw us along. He wants us to have faith in him because a little bit of faith mixed with the power of Jesus can make bigger and bigger and bigger faith. But I don't think Jesus is talking about the faith of the Father here I think he's talking about his own faith. If you can, everything is possible for me. 
The father hears this and he's overcome. Like this moment, it's, it's caught up. He's been in front of all of these people. There's all this stuff going on. And so the father just reacts very much like Thomas did when he, when he hollered out, my Lord and my God. It's this moment where faith just kind of erupts. And, and so this man is standing there and, and he erupts in this moment. But, but though it's similar to Thomas, it's not the same. See, Thomas needed to see Jesus before he believed. But this father believes before he receives his miracle. So he excitedly exclaims, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe that's where you are in your life. You believe, but there's some unbelief there. Look, doubt is our default That's just where we live. If you're alive right now, you have doubts. You're a person of faith, you have doubts. If you don't believe, you have doubts. You doubt yourself, you doubt others, you doubt the system. Doubt is a part of our lives. But in certain moments, we have the ability to step out of that doubt or beyond that doubt and have faith that leads to freedom. See, Thomas had to see before he stepped across the line into faith. But once he did, God used him in powerful ways to share the gospel with an entire nation. The father took his step before he received proof. And his faith goes down in history, unlike Thomas's, as he receives his son healed and demon-free. What does your faith journey look like? How do you deal with the doubt that crops up in your life? Do you live in fear because of those doubts? Or do you choose faith? That's the question that I posed to Chad. Here's what he had to say. Hi guys, my name is Chad Dawson. Uh, Corey asked me to uh, talk to you all about uh, doubts and faith and I guess he wanted the perspective from a relatively new Christian. Um, So I thought I'd start with talking about, you know, where my ideology was before and now. Um, It used to be if I was a good person, if I made good decisions, if I was nice and I was generous, you know, when my time was called, uh, heaven was waiting. And, uh, you know, that's that's not exactly the way it is. but whenever we moved to El Dorado and we had kids, we, uh, we knew we wanted to raise our kids in a, in a household where uh, God was present and loved and talked about. Uh, and so we ventured to real life on Easter of 2019. And uh, after that first message Corey delivered, uh, we, knew, we knew we'd found where we were looking to be. Um, and then a few short months later, uh, Corey delivered this uh this message and at the end of it you know there was just this overwhelming sense of like i gotta do i gotta act i gotta i gotta i gotta do something so we went to the back and talked to melody and we took our next steps and wound up uh, baptized this past november um so with that uh you know there's there's times where we we struggle uh with faith and we doubt um and so, personally, uh, you know, I feel like there's such a big God, and I struggle with, you know, how could some, you know, how could He care so much for me when He's got all these other things? Um, and so, I think a lot of times when I'm feeling that way, I try to find, uh, I try to find little clues and little hints and ways He's acted in my life. Um, you know, that just reconfirms that uh, he's present and watching. Um, you know, the the other day, uh, I was I changed out a tire on a trailer, and I had my son in the in the back seat, and uh, we got loaded up, and uh, we headed home, and I made the corner. Uh, and as I look back on my trailer, my, uh, my trailer tire was, was wobbling. Um, somehow or another, I'd managed to, uh, 
tighten the wrong side, uh, the wrong side of the trailer, uh, and so those bolts were just on finger tight, and we could have lost it all. Uh, could have lost the trailer. Could have lost the mower. Um, could have been a lot worse. Could have, could have just, you know, changed things forever. But uh, was looking out for me and let me see it, and you know, things like that, just little things, or taking a look back and uh, seeing the opportunities that were presented that we weren't looking for, but you know, they found us just when we needed it. Um, stuff like that, uh, or I guess just struggling in general with like everyday things whether that's parenting and the frustrations that come along with that or uh, you know the, the the frustrations and struggles that come with uh, marriage and uh, just life in general there's a lot of that and I found uh, you know the, the doubts that I've had uh, you know within my faith uh, are most often um, you know, reconfirmed or strengthened uh, when I pray. Uh, a lot of times in prayer, I'll ask for patience and uh, wisdom and uh, uh, resolve in dealing with my kids. Um, or when it comes to my job, my business, ask for guidance in how to move forward or uh, just the ability to see the right path or just to guide me in where I need to go. Um, and so laying those worries, those struggles uh, at his feet and just that conversation um, a lot of times alleviates that stress and that worry and there's just like this feeling of comfort um, you know things that, that things are going to be okay um, you know that just reconfirms you know my faith and uh, that's how I deal with it um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this message coming so I can hear how other people's deal and maybe glean some of that and institute it in my own life but uh, I hope this helps um, so we'll see you doubt and faith they both require a decision from us it's the same moment that Thomas faced and the father faced and it's the same moment that you're experiencing right now and I think the voice of Jesus is with you just as plainly as it was with Thomas and the Father when they received their miracles. For those saying today, wherever you're at, I won't believe until I see. I think Jesus is speaking to you. It's probably subtle, but you probably hear it. Stop doubting and believe. Look, there are always going to be doubts in your life. We're never going to be able to prove something 100%. But doubt keeps you in fear. And faith leads you to freedom. And so you have to choose which one you want to live in. Do you want to continue to live in fear? Or do you want to experience the freedom that comes from faith in Jesus? Maybe you've been a believer for a long time. But you're struggling because things haven't seemed to work out like you thought they, they would. And maybe Jesus is speaking to you today and he's saying what he said to the Father. Everything is possible for one who believes. You've been waiting and, and, and hoping and expecting God to do something in your life and it hasn't happened yet. I think Jesus is speaking to you today and he's saying, hey, look, everything is possible. Hold on. God's going to bring that into your life if it's going to bring you closer to him. So the question for you today is, what will you do? Will you continue to live in fear or will you move to a place of faith? Will you continue to experience doubt or will you move into the freedom 
comes from Jesus. If you're ready to walk in faith today and not doubt, not that you won't ever face doubt, right? It, it never leaves. It's always present with us, always present with me. Um, doubt is my default. That's always going to crop up. Is this going to work? Is that going to work? Is God going to save? Is this God going to show up? Doubt is a part of our lives all the time. So it doesn't go away. But when it comes to those moments where doubt begins to crop up and you have the decision to make, do I doubt or do I live in faith? What are you going to do? Well, I want you to do one simple thing today. Do exactly what Thomas did, exactly what the Father did, Chad and so many others along with them. Choose faith. Make, make that decision to choose faith. And so look, if you're joining us uh, at our online campus today at live.reallifecc.us, if you go to the chat window, you'll find uh, uh, something that looks like this. And it says, raise hand. And if you're ready to, to walk in faith and, and live in that freedom that comes from Jesus instead of the doubt that holds you back and tries to control you, just click on that blue button. Raise your hand. One of our online hosts will be with you and talk with you and share with you. We'll have some questions with you and, and, and hopefully help you take your next steps or maybe your first steps to faith in Jesus. If you're watching on Facebook today, you're going to have to jump over to reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready. And you're probably going to find that link down in the comments somewhere if you happen to have those on or if they're showing up there on your deal. We'll also try and have it in the heading of the Facebook Live, but it'll be much easier to get to in the online campus church. And so we want you to take that step because we want to help you live in the freedom that Jesus offers. And there's a specific reason that we want you to, to take one of these steps today. If you're going to respond in faith, it's going to take a step in the physical. Faith is not something that, that, that you just uh, assent to in your, in your mind or, or in your heart. Thomas didn't just have a, a, a mental assent to faith. The, the father didn't just have this mental thing where he's like, okay, I believe. They both had to act in the physical. Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. The, the father yelled out in front of all of those people, the religious leaders and the, and the disciples who were unable to, to heal his son. He said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. They both took physical steps in their moments. And you've got the same chance today because we want to help you take your next step into the story that God has already written for you. So again, online campus, click on the blue raise hand button. If you're on Facebook, jump over to reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready. And look, in this moment, you've got a decision to make, right? Doubt and faith, they both require a decision. You can either be held back by doubt or you can be held up in faith. And, and you already know that the choice isn't even close. Maybe some of you have been living in doubt for a long time in your life and that doubt has built up into fear and now you fear everything. God wants to give you freedom, but you're only gonna experience that through faith. Seeing those opportunities instead of just the objections and the opposition and stepping into the real life that God has for you. You can let doubt control you or you can use doubt to correct you, but you're gonna experience doubt regardless. What God desperately wants for you is to live in peace, even in the midst of this pandemic. And in the middle of every struggle that you will ever face in life, because you will face more struggles. And so are you going to, to face them in doubt? Or are you going to face them in faith? And look, God wants to hold you up. God wants to hold you up. God wants to... to Use his spirit to, to help you to succeed, to experience freedom in life and not be held back by doubt. 
Through his spirit, spirit, you can experience the life, the real life that he's calling you to through his son, Jesus. And so is doubt your default today? Or are you ready to be free? Let's pray. God, we thank you for being with us and for calling us to freedom. And God, maybe today somebody who's watching from whatever place they're in, whatever position, God, your Holy Spirit has brought them here in this moment, in this second, for a purpose. That they would make a decision to either step out in faith or be held back by doubt and fear. God, we pray today that your Spirit would be with them and that they would make the choice, make the decision to step out in faith and experience the real life that you want them to have through your son, Jesus. And so today, God, wherever people are watching, whatever situation they're in, whether they've been a believer for a long time and just have struggled with doubt because they feel like God hasn't, uh, you haven't done the things that they thought you should do, or maybe people who never believed before are just like saying, hey, until I see... <laughs> I won't believe. God, you want to call each and every one of us into something better. A life of freedom based in faith. And so we pray today for every single person who's going to take that step. That you would support them and, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to, to love on them and to walk through this journey with them and help them take this step and every next step to look more like your son Jesus every day. God, continue to get your word out. Continue to spread it uh, in every way possible so that every person possible can find real life in your son, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us into that, giving us a part in that, and giving us freedom through faith in your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
yo 